Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Welcome to Nerdette. Thank you, Greta. So I can be silly on this thing. Yeah, please be silly. Um, You can say curses. We will probably bleep them. But you can say them. Um, we did give a little warning for the Dan Savage podcast because he said a lot of really filthy things. I'm yeah. sure you're surprised to hear that. No, no, no. That's going to make noises. I'm probably going to make you stop doing that. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you want to finish it? You can finish it. No, it's okay. No, finish it. No, it'll be a treat. Eat your carbs. It'll be a treat for the end of the interview. <laughs> okay. It's important to have goals. Man. Oh, we're going to have fun. Okay. Mm. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. This week, we are talking with Hari Kondabolu. He is a stand-up comedian. He's got a new comedy album called Mainstream American Comic. He also has a podcast he co-hosts with W. Kamal Bell, who we've had on the show recently, Mm -hmm. called Politically Reactive, which tries to make some sense or at least some humor out of this crazy election cycle that we're having. That's why we thought when we decided to have Hari on, it would be interesting to present to him this little hypothetical based on a conversation we had recently with author Lindy West. I like commenting on politics. I like making fun of absurd politicians and horrible laws. And, you know, I, I there's something satisfying about that. But Man, it's going to be a long time till November. Ooh, that's yeah. really is. <laughs> I would I would so like rip Van Winkle right now and just go to sleep and wake up like wake up in January. That would be great. <laughs> so the question is, Hari, would you rip Van Winkle yourself to January if you could? Oh, no. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd say that. Absolutely not. Like this is a good season for me. <laughs> this is prime time. Terrible things are going on. People are saying all sorts of absurd things. Oh, this is wonderful. So, yeah, do you feel like you're just sort of like thriving off of the pain of others? Yeah. I think really good comedians. I think that's a big thing. Like, whoa, is that pain? Let me try to recycle that into something positive. (laughs) Like, no, no, this is. Plus, I mean, that's not really my nature, to be perfectly honest. Like, I have a joke, I think, on the first album just about. I think on the first, I have two albums. I yeah, think. Yeah, that's nice. I'm which not, one? I'm not sure which Who one. Knows? It was definitely on the first album because there's been two. <laughs> um, where I talk about I hate when people say they're moving to Canada when they don't like oh, the candidate. Oh, interesting. Regardless of who wins the next election, right? I just don't want to hear my liberal friends tell me that they're moving to Canada, right? Because I've heard this for years. If Bush wins, I'm moving to Canada. If we go to war in Iraq, I'm moving to Canada. Man, if Bush wins again, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> You're not moving to Canada. Nobody's moving to Canada. Because I don't know if you all know this, Canada does not have a special visa for American liberal cowards, right? That's not how the immigration system works. Also, I don't know if you all know this, but Canada is not even that f***ing great. And it's kind of the same idea. Like, I want to fight. I'm here to fight. Yeah. And I don't know what that fight looks like, but I'm here to fight. And I don't want to 
just wait and see. I'm not saying that Lindy doesn't have the right to feel that way. Absolutely. I want to make sure we validate Lindy's sentiments in this scenario. And I also know Lindy well enough to be like, she's saying that because it's frustrating, but she's not the type to ever sleep. (laughs) She's the type to work and get stuff done. Okay, so you mentioned the comedy album. It just came out last week. Mainstream American comic. Congratulations. Thank you. Can we listen to part of it? Yeah, sure. Okay, here's a clip. Bobby Jindal's an assimilationist. He believes in assimilation. I don't believe in assimilation, right? Assimilation to me means that people of color and immigrants have to pander to the white majority and become who they're told to be. I don't believe in that. I believe in integration. Integration means we take all our separate pieces and we come together and we create a new whole. That's what America is to me. It's integration, right? This guy believes in assimilation, and I know that because he was born Piyush Jindal and he changed his first name to Bobby. Because he said his favorite show growing up was The Brady Bunch, which of course is a load of Because why wouldn't he name himself Greg or Marsha or something like that? It's personal for me, man, because like my name is Hurry. That's been an issue my whole life. You know, I always have a conversation with you. My name is Hurry. Hurry, hurry. Hurry, hurry. Harry. Meanwhile, this guy, uh, what's your name? Piyush. What? Bobby. Are you kidding me? No spine whatsoever. Bobby Jindal's the type of dude that wouldn't give you a minority head nod. You guys know the minority head nod? Yeah. Like when you're in a real white place and you see another person of color, you give them the head nod, right? A lot of experience with that in in Portland, huh? Like I went to college in Maine, which would explain a lot of my racial angst. And whenever I saw a person of color on the street, I'd give them the head nod, right? And that was my way of saying, what are we doing here? Why are we here right now? Why is this happening? Is it worth the scholarship money? (laughs) Not Bobby Jindal though, not Bobby Jindal. You give that dude the head nod, he'd put his head right back down. Stop it, you're gonna blow my cover, stop it! So I feel like for people who haven't heard you before, that's kind of a fun clip because you talk about a lot of different things. Yeah, that's accurate. And also, something that's typical of my style. It was about a minute until you realized it was a joke. <laughs> that there were going to be humorous elements to it. So that's it's very consistent with what I do. To what extent do you think that your comedy works best for white audiences? It depends on the audience, you know? It's like, it, you know, if it's a white audience that's willing to listen. Like, reg- like take uh, out the values. I mean, that's always going to be a sure. thing. Like, But I feel like there's usually a good chunk of people they've made up their minds about uh-huh. what they feel. There's a lot of people uh, on both ends of it. Right. But there's that, <laughs> mi- there's that middle ground, which is either, like, apathetic, confused, or at least open to listening. And, you know, in that point of view, you have to figure out how do I talk about what I want to talk about and yet diffuse some of the anxiety about discussing race. And what I've learned is, in addition to the, you have to write good jokes, is that like in this album, like I'm more personal. And when you're able to share a piece of yourself, people are more likely to listen to the stuff that would be harder. It's like with friends. If somebody you didn't know was dumping all this stuff on you that makes you feel kind of uncomfortable, it's one thing. If your friend does it, it's like, I know my friend, I care about my friend, and this is something I have to do as a friend. I have to listen. Right. It's that idea of establishing trust. Yes. The thing you mentioned about open minds 
I think is interesting, especially given your own background yeah. in activism. And yeah. I mean, like you look at this comedy album and even just like the title tracks. I mean, you're talking about Black Lives Matter. You're talking about the presidential race. You're talking about abortion. Like these are all pretty important issues in our day and age. Mm-hmm. To what extent do you feel like your comedy is your brand of activism at this point? Oh, I don't. I don't yeah. think it's activism. I mean, it might be for somebody, but like. Yeah, it, I mean, like you don't think I mean, you say you want to uh, have people who like come in with an open mind. You don't yeah. think that you're like actually like making people think about things differently? I, I mean, wanted them to come in with an open mind so I can make them laugh. I mean, <laughs> I try to keep it simple as an artist. Like, what is my job to make people laugh? Uh, what do I believe with comedy? I have to be as clear about my point of view as possible. That's what I have to do. How do I stay uniquely me while still doing the job of a comedian, which is making people laugh? Because I can say all that stuff, and if they don't laugh, they're not jokes. It's right. an, It's an ineffective show as a comedian and if you want to if you must like put me in the box of an activist as an activist it's ineffective because i'm not doing the job i need to do but i don't see this as activism for me it's important not to because i feel like artists have especially comedians they have enough of an ego and delusions of grandeur and i feel like being told that you're changing the world with what you're saying it's too much Focus on the thing you can control. Be the best artist that you can be. Plus, there's a lot of like, this is going to sound harsh, but there's a lot of artists who say they're socially conscious or activists and, it, you know, they're righteous and it's great. The messages are great. But the art is terrible. <laughs> it's not interesting at all. And I, look, I know it's subjective, but come on. like I don't yeah. know. It's interesting because I see what you're saying. But I also, you know, I think about like the podcast you have with W. Kamau mm-hmm. Bell. And like we had Kamau on the show fairly recently, too. And the stuff he talks about with United Shades of America. Like I get that the point isn't necessarily to change people's minds or to actually like shift political allegiances or whatever. Right. But I still feel like there is a certain honesty and truth to what you guys are doing and just even having these tough conversations, you know, like if you're talking about race and you're getting a room full of white people to like understand a little better what it's like to be a person of color in this country, there is still like a certain like inherent value to that. I don't think there's disagreement. I I don't think it's, there's a difference between what the goal is and what the effect is. I mean, certainly for both of us, maybe the podcast is a little different, politically reactive or podcast is, like we want laughs, but we, we it's more about the person to share their point of view and us to make it as palatable around it as possible, right? Because we want people to understand the points of view. If people use the work, great. I mean, it's it's a source of pride for both of us, both in terms of the podcast and in terms of our stand-up and the other parts of our career. But we don't go in with that goal. I mean, sure. the one thing we do share, and this is part of what makes us great friends, we share this idea that words matter. So even if we're like, we're not, trying to openly think this what is what impact is this going to make we do both and i think it's fair i think in this regard to speak for kamau we do think about the impact of the words and ideas we're sharing because you know neither of us really wants to hurt anybody that's not the the point or if we're going to hurt somebody it's going to be somebody who has power like bobby jindal (laughs) still to come hurry's take on the all lives matter reaction to the black lives matter movement and how he and W. Kamal Bell figured out how to get paid to talk to each other. It's a podcast. It's a thing. Trisha. It's a good gig. <laughs> this is kind of why we started ours, too, huh? Yeah, man. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen 
as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. This week we're talking with Hari Kondabolu, who has a new comedy album out, as he was just talking about words matter. And this is something that he uses a lot in his comedy, too. And that's why he decided recently to focus on All Lives Matter, which is the reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement. Here's a clip from the comedy album, which is called Mainstream American Comic. This year has been terrible already. I mean, so many people have been killed by the police the last couple of years, right? And it's like, cops have killed so many black people. It's caught on tape, and yet nothing happens, right? There is no change. And the one great thing that's come out of all this is the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Incredible movement. Incredible. Supports uh, communities, pushes for justice, right? But the one unfortunate thing is that when people say Black Lives Matter, there are always people that say, no, all lives matter. First of all, no, they don't. We all have people we dislike. What are you talking about? Like, we all have a couple of names in the back of our head. If only. Like, come on. So you, you watch reality television, All Lives Matter, really? Really? All three Kardashians, really? All three of them? Okay, all right. All Lives Matter. Do you guys how ridiculous you sound? That's like if it's your birthday and everybody's wishing you a happy birthday, then all of a sudden one person's like, you know, I also have a birthday. (laughs) Shut the f*** up, Melissa! It's not about your birthday, Melissa! It's always your birthday, Melissa! I think it'd be funny if someone's name was Melissa and they're like, my name is Melissa. It's not about you, Melissa! It's about Melissa right now! The metaphorical Melissa that's destroying the country. <sighs> that there. sigh at the end. I love that. That's a good God. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish I picked the name Becky, though. All really? Considered. Yeah, I mean, that would be good. Since that would Beyonce would be, be like, oh, my God, look at that. Yeah. Melissa is nice, though. I think it's three I think syllables. It yeah, it, it does. Melissa, work. like Melissa. three is important. Yeah. How did you come up with the birthday analogy? I think hmm. you know it's interesting because, like, coming from a white perspective, yeah. the all lives matter thing has been really interesting to navigate. Just because you know, I mean, white privilege by definition means that it's something that you can ignore if you're a white person, right? Yeah. It's like you you have to buy into the notion to a certain extent. Yeah. And so to try and explain that to people who have lived like surrounded by white people for their entire lives who just like don't get it you know the all lives matter thing black lives matter too has just been like difficult to explain and i feel like this is such a perfect little nugget of just this is what this is right it's just weird though man speaking of white privilege just the idea of like man black people are getting killed by cops right now but what about me like it's such a bizarre what about me not getting killed by cops no one's talking about that what about my life I'm not being killed right now. Like that's such a, that's so absurd. Yep. That's such a bizarre way of thinking about. It. No one's questioning the fact that all lives matter. Of course they all matter. I mean, it could have been black lives also matter. Right. But I don't for like the sake of a slogan, I don't it's a little clunky. I think in terms of a branding thing, all black lives also matter. It's just like not doesn't have this I mean, the acronym's called BLAM. 
Blam. <laughs> yeah, Blam is cooler than BLM. Yeah, Blam is cooler, but at the same time, it just you want also it's just a little clunky. I mean, but at the, I try to think about that logically, but I realize even if they went with Black Lives Also Matter, people would have been awful about that too. Oh yeah, yeah. It of doesn't course. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really. <laughs> oh <laughs> God, yeah. I didn't even think about it. Well, I'm I'm clever even when I'm not trying to be You're clever. You're on track, God, sir. Number one, number one album right now. Wow. wow. <laughs> So I want to talk to you more about the podcast Politically Reactive, mm-hmm. which is co-hosted also by W. Kamau Bell. Yes. Um, you guys have worked together on Totally Biased. Yeah. And you are great friends. Yes. How much does this have to do with the fact that we're in like presidential election season time that you guys decided to start the podcast now? Oh, yeah, definitely that. I mean, uh, it's funny because we've. You know, we don't talk enough just because we both have busy lives. Yeah. And he also has like a, you know, wife and kids and like a real life in addition womp, to womp. our face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Single. <laughs> yeah. It's great, Greta. Uh, we don't see each other enough. And when we're on the phone together, they're always really long phone calls. And one of us, usually me, says at the end of it, like, man, that would have made a great podcast. <laughs> That's so good. And it just, we, neither of us have time. And, you know, podcasts are great, but they're a lot of work mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't normally get paid for it. And then First Look Media was like, hey, we think you're great. It's election season. Can we pay you to hang out? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And so it was perfect. It worked out great. Like, this is the right season for it. And I think people are really thinking about a lot of issues and about the world. And we present a way to talk about the world and not make you really depressed at the end. Yeah, I think that's really important and super difficult to navigate, I imagine, too. Is it fair to say that most of the people you've talked to so far kind of like have a similar ethos as you and Kamal? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mean in terms of like, like you've talked points to people who mostly you agree with in terms of their worldview. Yeah, there, ha- there hasn't been much a, a disagreement. And but here's the thing: I feel like people have been saying, "Well, a good podcast, a good political debate requires disagreement." Now I understand that, but when you, ha- you will respectfully disagree, I, I will respectfully disagree. <laughs> so good, right? So good. The back and forth, so good. <laughs> but I, I think that. Um, our thing is like, okay, we, we get it. We got your core values. Let's get this to a place where we're having a bigger discussion, right? Like when we're with Pastor McBride, it's not like, aren't these Black Lives Matters protesters ridiculous? Like, isn't right. it, it's like, I don't, we don't need that conversation. We don't think that. We want to know what it's like on the inside. Mm-hmm. We want to know what it's like for a man, a man of the cloth, uh, to take part in this kind of activism, right? The idea that this is a person who is religious and political. What does that look like? That is not a conversation you normally get if it's a back and forth crossfire type conversation. Right. I guess part of why I'm asking is, well, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think about something that Kamau did so well on United Shades of America is that he, you know, like in that conversation with the members of the KKK, like that is real. And I think to a certain extent is you know, I'm, there's something really powerful about seeing two people on like drastically opposing sides yes. just behave like humans with each other. And yes. I think we have so so little of that in this world these days. Um, now, in terms of like opposing points of view on on the podcast or discussion, yeah, totally. I mean, we're not even we're not opposed to it. Yeah, yeah. It's I assume you guys certain, are game. I think it could yeah. be really cool to hear that. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And and it's going to happen. You know, because yeah. I think it's important to have that those discussions. But I do know that. It is hard to change people's minds. At least what this does is it lets people in through humor, 
and educates them on a thing if they're willing to listen. But I don't think people are really willing to listen unless there's something that they're with. And that, that's frustrating for somebody who's trying to talk about issues that, you know, again, like are a level five and you want a level one conversation for us, right? I think there's so much more to say on a thing and, and we never get to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting thinking about, too, just from the point of view of, like, the podcasting industry, right? Because yeah. so much of what you have to do is think about who your audience is and, like, why you're saying what you're saying and who you're saying it for. Right. And, yeah, I don't know. I just think about... How many people who don't necessarily agree with or think they agree with the politics, but if they actually did sit down and take the time to listen, would get a you lot know, of... would like maybe inch over a little bit just because they're like, oh, you know what? I mean, I'm a little cynical in terms of I don't think a lot of people at a certain age will change their point of view unless something drastic happens. But I think where it's important is for younger people, like whether you're 14, whether you're in college, whether you're in your early 20s when ideas are being shaped this is where it's more useful because you're more open-minded because, you, you know, you're critical. You think about everything. You don't trust stuff. Like, you're getting to that place where you realize that, like, oh, everything is not a given. And that's why— Or maybe why I, th- I shouldn't believe what my parents exactly. always Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm questioning, like, everything I've been taught. I think that's where a thing like this is useful and is still shaping minds. I mean, I think we forget about, like, the power of youth sometimes. Like, my comedy, when people say, like, you know, oh, you're, you're, are you affecting all these people? I'm like, I don't know, maybe— the, the the people I know that I'm affecting that I'm more like invested in are young people because I remember being 14 and even though I grew up in Queens being sheltered because I was 14 and comedians had seen the world and they were funny and so I was attracted to that and I learned a lot of stuff by hearing comedians talk and that's still the case. Comedy still reaches young people and they're they're interested in exploring the world through it and so maybe we're not going to shape a 36-year-old dude who is so adamantly Trump. But maybe there's a kid who doesn't have a clear point of view who laughs along with us because we're clever and is starting to think about a lot of stuff. I mean, that's, to me, more important. It's so funny that you don't think of it as activism. I mean, I get it, and I I totally respect it. I totally respect it, but it's just really, yeah, I don't know. It's funny sitting on the other end of the table and just being like, yeah, man, you're doing it. We're such good friends already, Greta. It's so fantastic. (laughs) Thanks for saying that. Yeah. We've got more with Harry in just a moment, including his advice for what it's going to take for us all to detox from this presidential campaign. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. Let's get back to our conversation with Hari Kondabolu. Okay, so just in terms of, you know, we've talked a lot about the campaign, obviously. I wonder what you think the legacy of Trump's campaign specifically is going to be. Like, even if Trump isn't elected, like, what do we do with all of the things that have been said? Not just the stuff that's been said, but the idea that someone can know nothing about politics right. and get to this degree of power right. because like, people are so ill-informed or angry. Angry. And disenfranchised. It's the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, the sense we've lost the country. All that stuff goes over logic. 
fueling that doesn't let you think about things logically. And that's that's what he's doing. So that it, it creates room for a candidate like that in the future, regardless of whether he wins or loses. Also, you have a base that is not, you know, they've been fed more lies and they have been, you know, this war on America, this this feeling that they're being attacked, that feeling has been instigated to some well, degree. Well, and terrible right? things keep happening, too. Yeah, right? Hate crimes keep happening at his rallies. and Even just in the country, though, I mean, yeah. I can see the argument to a certain extent that, like, I mean, we live in an imperfect world. You know, sure. you keep thinking like, oh, this has to be the worst it can get. And it just mm. gets worse than that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like the conversation around any of this stuff is getting any easier. I it, think we're having it more, which is really important. Well, it's funny when, when you hear people on the right talk about America losing its morals. They always talk in terms of like abortion or gay rights. But how about like blatant racism and hatred? No one's, you know, where where's the right to say like, this is not Christian? In addition to us being against, like, abortion and, and gay rights, we're against hating your brother. Right. It's sort of like the idea of family values. Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. You know? How is an extension of family values? To uh, disown your gay kid. To, to disown your gay kid. To not see a person of color as part of your larger family. The fact that, like, people are being murdered and their families are being torn apart. And yet that to you, how does that fit? Also, I think it's strange in this country because it feels like religion and, and capitalism are connected really closely here and patriotism, which is so like weird because those are like really contextualized for now to where we are now. So how does that – it's like both we're going to listen to this ancient book and what it says and we're going to do what it tells us to do. But we're going to also mix it with these two new things that have nothing to do with the book. And it creates this thing that like is – I am I still don't get it. So I, what's the easy <laughs> – What's yeah. the easy, like, magic wand, Wingardium Leviosa solution? That's, there is none. Why <laughs> I'm do, a jerk for asking why do you that. Why do you assume I would know that? Like, people pray to God every day. God hasn't given them an answer. You think I know? I don't um, know, man. What about? Day to day, you, you do what you can in the smallest situations, whether that's as small as signing a thing online, which you should really do more than signing a thing online, talking to somebody, talk Talking to your family members, having difficult conversations, being a killjoy. It's okay to be a killjoy because sometimes you're not a killjoy. So people also know that this person isn't normally this way. So this must be something we should listen to and because they're passionate about it. I think it's important to create those things because if you keep repeating certain things to people you love, they will eventually hear it and it will come into play and you don't know when. And so these are the small steps you have to take. And they're not small steps. They're big steps. And a lot of people know that, like, oh, confronting my grandfather, that's so hard. Like, I don't want to ruin Thanksgiving. But, like, there are moments, maybe not Thanksgiving, but there are moments. <laughs> that's a ways out, man. Maybe that's not the time to do <laughs> it's it. after the election. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. By then it's too late. It's basically <laughs> your grandfather gloating and you being like, you're going to die soon. And you've left us with this. This is the legacy. You know, that reminds me. My grandfather actually said that he said it very gloatingly. He was like, you know. Whatever happens with this election, I'm not going to be around for that. That's hilarious. And that's why I'm winning. That's the funniest thing you could. Is he somebody who has a dark sense of humor? Like, is it? In no, it? no. He was a Lutheran pastor. He's like the <laughs> sweetest. Yeah, it was. It kind of oh, blew my God, mind. I was so shocked. <laughs> I love that so much. The idea that even a man of the cloth <laughs> was like, screw this. Yep, I'm done. Yep. I've paid my dues. This I'm is done. It. <laughs> yep. I'm going to hang out with the G-man and get it over with. <laughs> I like that, though, the talking to family thing. I think especially 
within the context of this show where we like to ask our guests to assign our listeners homework. And I think that's a perfect little thing. Yeah, I think. And, yeah. and this is not something you have to do immediately. But you know when the moment is. There's some moments that are like, this is the moment. But you know when there's a moment like, I am having a conversation with somebody I love and we're discussing things and it's a broad range of things and something comes up that makes me uncomfortable. This is why I disagree. You don't need to yell. You don't need to say how disappointed you are. You express how you feel about it and hopefully you have a relationship with your family that allows you to. So, I mean, it's it's on us. Like, they are not necessarily completely rigid. And I know we talked about, like, it's hard to sh- change people's minds. There is something to the one place where people might have a soft spot is for their family and people they love and their mm-hmm. friends. So if you're a stranger, like, why is this stranger <laughs> expecting me to change right. my mind? But if somebody loves you, it's like, this person has nothing really to gain. They love me. They care about me. They feel strongly about this. And we're going to talk about it. That's the one place where people are more likely to open up, I think, when when you know certain roles have been established. Hari Kondabolu, thank wow, you for coming on Nerdette. This Greta. was super fun. This is really fun. Thank you. I think we could consider talk to your family about things you disagree about. Mm-hmm. Pretty good homework. Not super fun homework, let's be honest. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a bummer, but I think it's important too. You know, it's that idea of like difficult conversation with people you trust and love. Like who better to have those conversations with? If you need to... Get some courage before you do so. Maybe listen to an episode <laughs> yeah. of Hurry's podcast with W. Kamau Bell, Politically Reactive. It's a smart conversation about what's going on in the world of politics, and maybe it'll give you that boost you need to go talk to your uncle about that's, Donald Trump. That's a great idea. And, you know, if you want to hear Hurry make fun of Portland, along with a lot of other really important things, definitely check out his comedy album, Mainstream American Comic. Greta, I think you and I are going to give the same additional homework assignment this week, although I can give completest homework (laughs) because I have completed Stranger Things. I know what happens at the end. And you're what? One episode behind? I have one more episode. How did you stop watching before the finale? You know what happened? We had been watching for four hours and it was nine o'clock. And you know how I feel about nine o'clock. Yeah. Bedtime is real for Greta Johnson. Totally. Yeah. So if you love the 80s, if you love Steven Spielberg, if you love Stephen King, if you love any and all of those things, you're going to love the new Netflix show Stranger Things. It's a fun, relatively short binge because it's only eight episodes mm-hmm. long, but they are fantastic. It's like if Freaks and Geeks and a Stephen <laughs> yeah. King novel and a great Spielberg movie all got muddled up together. Yeah, awkward nerds save the day, but there's also a lot of really creepy science happening. You don't know they save the day. Well, I you mean, haven't I seen the finale. There, it's... Uh, I'm so upset. I need to watch the finale, but everyone else should watch all eight episodes because they are excellent. I'll get there, okay? If you have watched Stranger Things and you want to talk about it on the internet, I'm at Trisha Bobita. No spoilers for Greta until she's finished, please. I'll be okay, Trisha, but it is Johnson with an S-E-N if anybody really cares on the Twitters. One other piece of homework for Chicago-based nerds or those who are nearby. We are doing a live show on August 15th at 7 p.m. It's part of the Sounds Like Chicago podcast festival at Steppenwolf Theater. It's going to be a really fun show. We're going to have some fun guests lined up for you and it's part of a bigger festival so you could go to multiple nights of this if you're a podcast nerd. See all sorts of local podcasters do their thing on stage at Steppenwolf. Find links to how to get tickets to the Steppenwolf event at nerdatpodcast.com. And also we've been tweeting about it and putting up Facebook posts so you can find us on Twitter at nerdatpodcast. Also search for Nerdette Podcast on Facebook, and that's another way to find out more about Sounds Like Chicago. Oh, oh, oh. I read this thing recently about how the Chicago accent is disappearing from pop culture. Oh, really? Because there's fewer De Bears things. Chicago? 
So I think maybe we should bring we have back. a responsibility to bring it back. Chicago. Should we do the end credits in the Chicago Sounds DeBears like accent? Chicago. I don't know if I could do it. My time in Minnesota has really altered my my accent. This show is produced by us. <laughs> Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. Along with Joe Dasso. Our intern is Annie Newen. Is this a Chicago accent or am I just doing a bad impression of the SNL sketch? I think you're doing a great sketch? job, but I'm not going to try. Our executive producer. <laughs> I think it's actually really great. Is Joel Meyer. You can uh, listen to us wherever you're listening to us because <laughs> uh, you're doing it on your smartphone probably. <laughs> you could uh, subscribe on iTunes or there's this uh, NPR one. You can follow us there. <laughs> You can listen to us wherever you're listening. Yeah, see, I can't do it. It's Minnesota. When you try to do it, it gets to Minnesota real fast. It's just so Minnesota. Be a hero. (laughs) Like Dissatisfied 202. Uh Uh-huh. Who likes us on uh, iTunes. (laughs) Seems quite satisfied considering the name. Like we said, you can find us on the internets and the Twitters, the Facebooks. Why have we never done this before? The accent? (laughs) Because... Chicago needs us now. Oh, no. Nerdette is uh, a production of WBEZ Chicago. Uh-huh. Or there's delightful podcasts <laughs> for nerds of all stripes. Find out more at WBEZ.org. It's really good enunciation. It's like a very uh, eloquent but accented Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Go Bear. <laughs> Let me hear you do do your homework. Like do your homework. <laughs> Will you do it one more time? Do your homework. <laughs> well, I think we're done here, folks. Is there anything you'd like to add, Trisha? The bears. <laughs> okay. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.